welcome to the Relief Podcast, bringing joy and comfort to your day. I'm Seema Rao, Deputy Director and Chief Experience Officer. And I'm Gina Thomas-McGee, the Museum's Curator of Education. Hello, all. Oh, hello. So it's one of the best things for me about the thaw and the weather changing is getting to be around, walk around, um, and smell that like beautiful spring smell and, you know, puddles and rain. And I've really been just like, I love it. I love it. And I love seeing like, you know, nature springing and how it looks in the reflections and like, you know, how nature reflects nature. It's one of my favorites. Yes, that's right. So today and this week, we're talking about reflections. And when I saw it on the list, I thought about a puddle too, which is really funny. But I love reflections. It's something I look for when I am anywhere, really in a building or outside. I think I'm like, what's that bird that like shiny things? Magpie? Magpies. I'm a magpie for sure. Yes. I have so many mirrors in my house. This is like a subtle jab, but my mom was over not too long ago and she's like, was, was there a sale on mirrors somewhere or what? Like, because I have one like at the end of lots of hallways and across from a lot of mirrors because I love seeing the reflection of outside. Um, I actually went up at my desk at work too because I face away from the window. So I put a mirror next to me so I can see out the window without having to turn around. So when you're not at your desk and if I have, I don't wear makeup usually, but if I have to go to a meeting, like an important meeting where I have to put on eyeliner, I sneak to your desk and I actually use that mirror. So that's how I know about that mirror. But you know, it's actually your thing reminds me, your mom's statement. Uh, maybe <laughs> she was thinking about this artwork in our, one of the works that I love. I mean, it's hard. You never want to make favorites in an exhibition. So I don't have a favorite. But one of the words I love is Matt Bollinger's discount mirrors. And there's Mm -hmm. all of these mirrors on a wall. And one thing I love about mirrors is that you're being tricked. You know you're being tricked, right? Because you're not seeing... The woman who is reflected in these mirrors, you're seeing a manifestation like a, and it's it, it particularly funny because she is not in any one mirror, but she's in all of these mirrors, kind of a little bit of hair and a little bit of nose. And, and that, um, to me, the thing about reflection also is that in artwork, it's make letting, making you kind of work for it a little bit. Definitely, because often the reflection that we see in in photographs in this case is like a little bit distorted or somehow it's the truth, but one step removed or something. And I feel like reflections are often like that. Like it's almost real life, but like there's just something a little bit off, you know, and that that photograph in particular is like a, a really sophisticated funhouse mirror situation almost. Yeah, it's, where a, you great, see it's lots a great of different thing. Yeah. It's a painting. It's a great painting. Oh, I know it looks photograph. so photographic. It is. I mean, and I think that's another thing that's sort of funny about reflection. Like these artists, the show has photographs, but then it has okay. other media too. And it's funny because you could choose as an artist who's working in any media to make it more or less realistic. And so I find it really fascinating when an artist chooses to make something seem very realistic, but then puts in that conceit, right? It's like, I know I'm tricking you. This is real, but it's really not real. Yeah, it's true. I I forgot that work was a painting because I so often thinking of mirrors as being like reflecting real life, you know, or like the scenes around us or whatever happens to be outside. And a lot of the artists in in the show are doing that as well. It's really interesting to see how they all are dealing with this one kind of idea or subject in really, really different ways. It also, I've been thinking about, the show was on the docket before COVID. So it's sort of been, we've been thinking about it 
it and it's changed a little bit, but I realized sort of very early as we're talking about it in just inside in the office, that reflection, you know, you said it, I often say to my children, maybe we should reflect on what happened here and learn from it. But reflection actually it doesn't, it's supposed to mean like, we're going to really think deep about this and make better meaning. But re, in reality, mirrors and any reflective surface is a trick. It is. Maybe, I don't know, maybe that came about not by looking backward, but like paying more attention. Like if you're looking at a reflection, like sort of invites you to look at the details or look closer, maybe. I wonder why that is. Yeah, you're right. I mean, I, I do wonder, I mean, I don't, personally look at myself in the mirror all that much and until covid and we had to be on zoom all the time i never looked at myself i i also thought a lot about how people must have been just mesmerized by the idea you know early mirrors water you know like that there was a reason that narcissus was a tale right like he was so mesmerized by his appearance because if you didn't have a reflective surface you would have no idea what you look like right and if you saw one for the first time you might think that it was like a portal or something like the idea that you could see what's in front of you but like from a different perspective or like that's wild honestly if you really think about it which is probably why they've been used so often in art in like literature and in movies and things as like a device like I'm thinking about Alice in Wonderland right isn't she originally like Alice through the looking glass like she falls through and it makes total sense that makes sense as a device because that's how you would think of it really yeah exactly but some years really distort when I was learning to drive at our, at the end of our street, you know, Summit County and Cuyahoga County, where it's, you don't have, you know, you don't have enough lights, people drive too fast, whatever. So they put one of those mirrors, mm. uh, those round kind of, you know, mirrors to show you the things that you couldn't see because you had, it, basically, it's a blind turn. And one of the things that happened was it confused people so much because they were tricked by it. So they were looking at the mirror instead of looking the other way. So they were doing better on the one side, but then they forgot all about the other side. <laughs> and they ended up taking it down. And I do think, I think a lot about it, about that when I'm thinking about some of the works in the show, because you believe the problem with mirrors is you believe what you're seeing is true. But is it? Right. Exactly. And also like you have the idea, especially about your own face. I think you have the idea of what you look like in your brain and then you really look at it. And have you ever had that phenomenon where you look in the mirror and you don't recognize yourself? Like, because you looked too long or like, I don't know. It's so strange to see that. Um, I wonder if artists ever get that when they like work on something for a while, step away from it and come back. I'm like, wait, what is this? (laughs) What am I looking at? Some of the artists in the show have talked about, like, I think artists compose things differently, in particular with photographers. Some of them compose it, like they think what they're doing and then they shoot it. And some people go through their sort of their roles of film. All the artists working, I think, I'm trying to remember, but I think all of the artists work with film um, instead of digitally, but that they compose it by picking the right one, the shot that was right. And I do think that for some of the ways that they talk about it, it's like, find, oh my gosh, what is that? They're almost surprised by what they've created, the happenstance of picking the right one. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think a lot of times what we see in reflections are surprising because it, the perspective cannot be the same as from our eyes, right? 
it couldn't possibly, or else we wouldn't see it. As, as a kid, I used to do this very strange thing, I think, but I used to carry a mirror. I used to hold it so that I would look down into the mirror, but it would be reflecting the ceiling. And I would pretend that I was walking on the ceiling. I encourage anyone who's listening, don't do it like while you're listening to the podcast, you might fall down or something, but try it because you can really, really pretend like you're walking on the ceiling. It's a totally different perspective just because you're seeing that reflection in the mirror. It's so fun. That is fun. When I was a kid, I did a different mirror thing. I was, my parents used to work like late hour shift. And so I, and as an only child, and like we didn't have a babysitter, if they were, you know, my parents, when they were first starting out, maybe didn't have money for a babysitter. I have a lot of memories of seeing, sitting in cars late at night and seeing the city reflected in the windows of the car because, you know, we'd be there and you'd see the lights. And I used to love it. I'd keep my wind, my eyes sort of squinted and I'd see the reflection, especially at night. You know, like one of the ones I remember very vividly, I was just thinking about it, is the smokestacks of the steel mills. And there's some that have smoke, they have fire coming through. And if you see that reflected through the build, it's very cool. Maybe awful. (laughs) Maybe also a sign of the the climate changing. But it is interesting because both of those are like childhood memories. I think for me, another thing about this show that I hope people get is that we as adults sometimes don't realize how much perception is manipulated. And we don't maybe take enough time to think about it and make sense of it. Because as adults, we're just, you know, we're like, looking. it's the most common sense we probably use, right? More than even touch, I bet. Yeah, absolutely. And then to have something that's reflected and not exactly as it would be in real life, it really is kind of magical. And then taking it a step further and then rendering that by painting or drawing or or making a print, something that's already sort of one step removed and kind of magical, and then being able to represent that in an artwork. Oh, what a cool subject to pick. And I hope that people, when they do it, like if they listen to this podcast and then they do it, I hope that then they look back at their own photographs. Because the other thing I think about reflection is I bet as exhibitions go, this is one where you're like, oh my God, I did that. You know, there's a lot of times Mm. where we say like art, it's totally different than the stuff that you do. But I bet a lot of people, like there's a wonderful photograph by Richard Mizrock of Mono Lake, which is the mm-hmm. clouds on water. And it looks at, you can't tell where real and fake is, but I, I would put money on most people on their camera roll, have a picture of clouds reflected, like a sunset reflected or something. Definitely. Yeah. I mean, you you can't see something like that and not want to capture it for some reason. Those reflections on on water or yeah, particularly water. It's like nature's mirror, right? Nature's Our friend mirror. Narcissus. If, I'm going to say that we, I, why don't we talk a little bit more about art? I'm going to turn it over to Sloan with the deep dive. Enjoy. What's both identical and opposite, an action and an object, and impossible to produce in isolation? This is not an unworkable riddle. It's only a reflection. A reflection can be a mirrored image or the solitary work of pondering. In the case of today's artwork, a reflection can also be a revelation. Hi, my name is Sloan King Owen. I'm the education coordinator at Akron Art Museum. For this week's deep dive, Together, we will be examining the work of German photographer Dieter Appelt. Please relax, get comfortable, and take a nice deep breath as we begin some slow looking with today's object. At first glance, 
The black and white photograph is an intimate interior shot, a man gazing upon his own face in solitude. Der Fleck auf dem Spiegel, Denter Atemhoch Schaft, is a photograph by the performer and artist Dieter Appelt. From German, the title of the work translates roughly to The Spot on the Mirror that the breath creates. In this photograph from 1977, the artist captures his own reflection mid-distortion. The viewer approaches the central figure of the photograph from behind. The man rests his clenched fist atop a smooth and stony surface. The distended veins of his hands as sharply in focus as the broadness of his back. The hair on his face and head is shorn short, giving him a messy, haggard look despite his tidy attire. He wears a collared shirt with a crisp, dark jacket over top. We see only the torso of the man and a torso from behind at that. Though our approach from the rear leaves his figure faceless, we can catch a blurry glimpse of his visage via his reflection in the mirror. His lips purse in the familiar open shape of the letter O as he breathes his homemade fog across the glass. The exaggerated puckering of his mouth is a tool the artist uses from his previous life as an opera performer. You can almost hear the hiss of breath escape him despite the quiet stillness of the room in which he stands. Corporeal steam masks the artist's eyes and nose. We see only the efforts of his mouth and his brow furrowed in concentration. The magic of the moment is not the viewer's ability to perceive both back and front at once, but rather the collapse of time. Appelt works in prolonged exposure, recording a succession of movements, layering them all into a single image. Knowing this, we can imagine the artist standing rigid in his pose, repeatedly whispering against the glass while the camera shutter takes the moment in over and over again. This has been this week's deep dive. Join me next time for another quiet moment with the art. I've been Sloan, and thanks for looking. Hi, my name is Caitlin Evans. I'm the Community Engagement Specialist at the Akron Art Museum. And today I'm with Thomas Rose. Thomas, thank you so much for joining me today. Thanks for having me. Perfect. We'll all start in with two questions that describe what the podcast is, and then we'll go into some more personal questions. But I'll start with, what does the word reflection mean to you? And reflection is the podcast episode theme. 
Sure. Well, obviously, the easy answer is reflection is a mirror or some shiny surface. And I think that's alluded to in the exhibit that we're talking about or referencing. But it also, it's more than that. You know, you reflect, you reflect on your own life, you reflect on your thoughts. And as an artist, I think you're constantly reflecting as you're working in terms of Am I tr- am I interpreting the world that I'm putting in my drawing? Am I am I am I am I getting across an opportunity to communicate with you as a viewer, even though we may ne- never have a conversation verbally to each other's face? So am I am am I interpreting things appropriately? And as it, is it reflecting the world that I'm seeing and the world that I'm attempting to communicate to you about? That's an interesting way to put it. This your reflection of the world and how people are then reflecting themselves, perhaps in the work or Um, and just that constant evolution there yeah I would like that a a lot I mean there's a lot of personal stuff in my drawings even though they're they're rather realistic architectural you know industrial and residential things but they're still each one is a short story and they're about people generally even though you hardly ever see any people in my drawings and sometimes or oftentimes some of those people are me and and my family and how we relate to that environment that we're looking at in the drawing. That's wonderful. And this is kind of a nice transition into the episode's artwork feature from our collection, which is by Dieter Appelt, um, which you might have seen this person has been reflected into what looks like a mirror. What is your initial takeaway or thoughts when you saw this work? Well, it's hard. I only saw it on a uh, on a device and, and sure. that's not at all what it would be like in person. Yes. I think I looked at it more artistically and technically, which I tend to look at art a lot that way. And to me, I it, it just struck me as being a lot of really interesting patterns and textural surfaces and that sort of thing. There is a, an impression of reflection. To me, that just in, emphasizes even more the sense of patterning. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, definitely. And I love that you mentioned computer screen versus in real life seeing the physical object because that is such an important thing. Um, there can be quite a number of differences when you see it in person. Oh, big difference. In my yeah. case, a scale is important. I select the scale of a drawing, you know, to match what I'm trying to say. And then my surface is important. And you don't, you're not going to get much of a surface on a, on a glass covered screen. Right. And you mentioned you were a teacher for high school. I often give help out with school tours at the museum. And it's so fun to see the kids who have saw some of the artworks at, at the screen on in their classrooms. And then when they get into the museum and they see the scale of things or they see that it reflects or there's some glitter or something like that, they're always so amazed. Oh, yeah. It's got to be a real eye opener for them. Yes. <laughs> yes. So now I'm going to jump more into questions about yourself and they're all pretty lighthearted but what's the first thing you do in the morning well the, the, the obvious answer would be hopefully to get up out of bed and at my age to put two feet on the floor and then stand vertically is a major triumph <laughs> so um and from then on it's, it's you know a typical routine would be a light breakfast of an egg white omelet and a Ooh. piece of homemade hala toast i have to stretch my shoulder because it's part of my pt from drawing <laughs> oh wow okay yeah so every day I have to do some shoulder stretches and then ideally I would go to the gym and work on aerobics for about an hour and the best part is uh, three quarters of a mile swimming and while swimming I'm preparing in my mind what I kind of need to do when I get to the studio I usually have a pretty good idea of what needs to be fixed or what is the next step 
or what am I going to look at first to make some decisions about? So as I'm swimming, it's sort of a meditative way to think through what my plans for the studio activity will be. Wow, I have never heard that. Like a physical activity is kind of your to-do list component. Every day, yeah. And in the summer, we had bike riding. Oh, wow. That's fantastic. So you have a pre-practice to your studio practice. That's right, exactly. That's wonderful. So speaking of the studio, if you were to be on a desert island and can only bring three items, what would they be? Well, it might depend on how big the island is. Sure. I mean, this is a very ominous island. Yeah, I I think first of all pencils because okay. that that I'm I just love pencils and then some kind of paper to put the pencil marks on and ideally something to make color with but if I'm only allowed three things I'm going to add my iPad assuming that there's a place to recharge it yes <laughs> um, the last couple of years I've really started to rely on my iPad I keep my reference images on there and uh, as I'm working I do a lot of photographing of the drawing And then later in the day after I'm home and away from the studio, I will look at the photographs on the iPad and adjust it, turn it upside down, that sort of thing, and see if there's anything that needs either to be addressed or repaired or thought through better or refocused, um, things uh, like that. You know, when you're working on a drawing, you're, you're kind of too much into it. You're right there. It's immediate. Mm-hmm. And so later in the day, it's kind of nice to see it on the screen because now it's reduced to this more generic image almost and almost a consumable image. And therefore I can, as a consumer, look at that image and make some decisions about what's going to make it a better drawing when I get back to the studio the next day. Sure. So you're using a lot of, oh, well, both analog, the paper and pencil, and then digital at the yeah, end of the day. Definitely. Yeah. That's yeah, great. And that's pretty recent for me in the last couple of years. Yeah. I remember my art teacher would always yell at us, just get back from our work because oh, we were constantly. always so close to it. And our eyes were so Yeah, my classroom, focused. I said that all the time. What's the one thing that's going to help you with your drawing the most or your painting or whatever? And right. I'm always hopeful. Come on, kids, say, uh, look at it from a distance. <laughs> and then the second thing would be turn it upside down. Yeah. And and make a decision about balance and, and uh, contrast and that sort of, you know. Yeah, the simplest things that we tend oh, yeah. to overlook yeah. in yeah. practice. <laughs> yeah, as I used to tell my, tell my students all the time, too, I said, don't ask me. <laughs> um, and, you know, I can give you an answer, but it's not my piece of art. It's yours, and you have to have ownership of it. And mm-hmm. if I say it's bad, you're going to blame me. Right. So you have to decide what's good and what's bad and how to fix it if it isn't good. And if you're an artist, you're working by yourself all the time. Whether that's a practicing professional studio artist, or you're an illustrator, or a designer, or an animator, a lot of that time is going to be on your own by yourself. And you have to, at some point, present it to a boss or an audience or something. And all your decisions need to be made prior to then. And if somebody asks you, why is this the way it is, you better have an answer. Mm -hmm. So it's all about you making all your decisions and your best decisions. Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. And to go back to the initial question of the three items. Now, maybe your iPad, you would have a solar battery system um, to recharge (laughs) it, but it could be any of those three or something totally unstudio related. What's your favorite tool? Pencil. Pencil. Do you have a favorite pencil brand or style? A sharp one. (laughs) A sharp one? sharp pencil. (laughs) Give me the basics. (laughs) Uh, Mostly, you know, my drawings are covered with acrylic paint, 
but yeah. they're completely drawn first with pencil. And uh, typically for years, I would use ebony pencils. Okay. And and they're nice and soft and they're pretty consistent. They're all going to be about the same amount of darkness of soft value, but they're kind of expensive. And if you drop one, the lead tends to break and shatter inside the wood. I discovered at Costco, number two pencils, this box of like 3 million pencils for like 53 cents. <laughs> so I've been using those for a lot of my shading and it's just pedestrian fill-in stuff. Right. So uh, like today, the, the drawing I was working on earlier, um, there's some dark stuff. I used my ebony for that because it was going to be a lot faster to fill in a, a real dark area. And then there was a big area that's fairly dark. So I used woodless pencil for that because you can, you know, more likely, it's almost like painting with sure. the graphite. So any pencil. I love it. Nice and simple. Yeah. I love the simple. Costco announcement too, you know, big bulk pencils for so cheap. Love it. Oh yeah. Dirt cheap. <laughs> yes. So I have five this or that questions, which of course I'm just having you choose one or the other. So are you ready? I'm going to go kind of quick. They're pretty easy. Morning or night? For anything morning. Morning. Okay. You oh, are yeah. a pretty morning person. It seems I'm a like morning your person. routine. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Old versus new. It kind of depends on what it is. I look I in the mirror and I say ancient. So, <laughs> <laughs> I, in terms of what to draw architecturally, older things tend to be a little bit more interesting. They have a surface, a patina. They've had a life. They've been banged up a little bit. It's easier to love something that's not perfect, maybe. Yeah. An, a car, new, is really nice because it's yes. nice and clean and shiny. <laughs> right, and can run pretty so well. So it sort of depends on what it is. Okay. If it's food, I like it to be fresh. <laughs> True. That is a very good point. So that's a maybe a tricky one. Next one is half full or half empty? Probably half empty. Oh, really? <laughs> you seem so half full of a type person. Why half empty? <laughs> well, my students used to think I was completely full of it. <laughs> <laughs> I, I try to present a positive attitude and try to present that I, I love my life and I think there's a lot in this world that's quite wonderful mm -hmm. but personally on a daily hourly basis I'm kind of a downer Debbie Downer I'm gotcha I worry about everything oh really oh no yeah, yeah. that's why it's helpful to go to the gym and swim and get all that like yes. physical angst sort of worked out that way right yeah I, I've been working on trying to be as positive as I as positive as I can, but I tend to be a negatively thinking person. Okay. Well, it does not come across that way, but oh, um, good. I'm, I'm glad I'm, <laughs> I'm glad you have your practices though for the other That's side. Right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> fast or slow? <sighs> Depends on what it is. If I I'm know. drawing, I want it to be pretty fast. Um, oh, really? Okay. Yeah. I work pretty quickly in the studio. If I'm driving, I'm gonna I'm I'm an old man. I drive like an old man. <laughs> I'm on my bike. I 12 miles an hour. That's I'm happy. Yeah. Wow. Okay. That's yeah. Fast enough. Yeah. Swimming. I used to swim a lot faster. I used to swim farther every day. I mean, if you would ask me this, that same question about swimming a few years ago, I was doing a mile every day and in the summer, at least a mile and a half every day. And now I'm happy if I can do three quarters of a mile because it just takes much longer. Well, that's way more than me. I mean, I <laughs> I don't know if I've swam in a couple of years, maybe, except for like at a pool. Oh, you got to start again. It's fabulous. <laughs> okay, well, I will take that note. 
And then the last question I have is salty or sweet, which personally is kind of a trick one for me to answer. I, I agree. I think it should be both, but um, <laughs> and and throw in some grease while you're at it. Too. Oh yeah. <laughs> and carbs, <laughs> probably sweet. If it was okay. down to one thing, I'd say sweet. Do you have a favorite sweet food item or beverage that you could have every day if you could? Ice cream. <laughs> Same here. <laughs> it's my favorite. I'm. Mitchell's. <laughs> Do you have a favorite Mitchell's flavor? I, anything with chocolate in usually, okay. but I don't know. I, I haven't had a bad Mitchell's. Mitchell's no, so. it's really hard. I just yeah, had yeah. it yesterday and got the wild berry crumble and I was oh, quite pleased. So good. <laughs> it was very good. It made me very hopeful for yeah. warm weather. Yeah. Oh, there's my dog. Sorry. <laughs> and then my last question for the, not a this or that, but what is your silver lining? It can be studio related. It could be life practice, but like we talked about earlier, reflections, everything's reflected in one another. So I'm curious if you have a silver lining. I, I, I would say the silver lining would be the pandemic at this point. As tragic as this whole thing has been, and as difficult as it's been for really all of us, but for anyone who's you know, lost someone. I mean, there's been so much tragedy that way. The silver lining, what we joke because we say our life didn't change at all. <laughs> we never go out to eat. We never go anywhere. We, the, the biggest thing is we don't, we usually try to go to Europe every fall. And we, oh, didn't, wow. we didn't do that. So okay. For a couple of years. We haven't been in a restaurant really for about three years. Yeah. Know, except maybe the cafe at the art museum, the Cleveland Museum of Art. Yeah. Uh, open area is like that, you know, mm -hmm. but and, and only a few times. But so, Typically, before the pandemic, I'd go to, you know, gym every day and then to work every day, the studio practice, and then come home and read, play the clarinet for a while and deal with dinner. But with the pandemic, the, the option to do anything else was off the table. Mm -hmm. So the option of socializing with anyone or meeting anyone was off the table. So it gave me further permission to not feel guilty about working in the studio. Because okay. what else could you do? And like I used to tell my high school kids all the time, when something really awful was happening, what you really don't have control over it if it's a big global bad thing. Mm -hmm. But what you can do is dig into yourself and dig into your work and dig into your family life and, and you know, make it micro world instead of a macro world. So is that right? Uh, yeah, micro, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so um, <laughs> you, know, you you do the best you can doing your job the best you can do, and you support a, the, anyone around you. So that's kind of what the pandemic was. We had to support each other. We had to, you know, I had to go to work every day because what else was there to do? Mm -hmm. And in addition to that, some of the, um, there have been some serious developments because of that. I think Akron owns one of the residential suburban drawings that I've done, and that's part of a series that was done during during the pandemic, we were walking every day because we couldn't go to the gym. Mm -hmm. So we would typically do five miles on the bike trail in the Metro Parks, the Cleveland Metro Parks. And if it was a weekend and if it was, we felt it might be a little bit more crowded, we would stay sort of in what I call the neighborhood. Although the houses I drew in this, and I'm, I'm still working on this series, um, the houses that I'm drawing are not like houses that like we live in. It, we have a pretty cool house, I think. But there's a, an area that's a developed area not far from us that is just a little terrifying to me. There's very vacant, architecturally vacant suburban architecture mm -hmm. with fresh landscaping that's raw and, and not you know, fleshed out very well. 
And so a lot of, you know, these five miles, five mile walks were through a neighborhood like that. A lot of the houses have these signs at the front door that say welcome. And I've never felt less welcome in my life. Oh, that, yeah. I wouldn't want to go to any of those doors and say welcome. <laughs> and it was, a, a, especially at the beginning of the pandemic, we were really scared because we didn't know at all what was going to happen. Now we have a little bit better handle on it. Um, but then it was very scary. So it was hours walking these streets in these void neighborhoods with very few people also on the street right. driving or playing or anything. And that was daunting. Another part of the pandemic that was a silver lining was I was printing out photographs of reference photographs at Costco because it was a lot cheaper and you get a better quality image than to try to print it out at home. Mm-hmm. So I would, you know, select images on my iPhone, take it into Costco and then print out a few references that way was working kind of directly from the photographs. It's hard to describe this way, you know, here, but the photographic image was right in front of me. Sure. And then during the pandemic, I thought, I'm not walking into Costco to do that. I'm not, yeah. no, I'm the only reason I'll go to Costco is to get, you know, food. I mean, for, for survival reasons. So sure. um, we would go to a grocery store, Heinen's and, and Costco, and that was about it. And, you know, and as quickly as possible, I, I mm-hmm. looked at it as uh, armed combat. <laughs> like, I had a list. I went straight in, I grabbed, I went through the checkout and got the heck out of there. Yeah, the most efficient grocery. Trip. Yeah, and, <laughs> and take the perimeter aisles all the way on the outside of the store right. so that I would avoid as, as much of the traffic as possible. And it would drive me insane. People are like, you know, this is not a leisurely social activity. Get out of my way. I got to yeah. get out of here before I get something. <laughs> so anyway, I stopped using the photographic surfaces at services at Costco and thought, I'll take my iPad to work. My image is there. Yeah. So it's turned out, at first it was a little difficult. It was a little daunting. And my real fast action, technical way to transfer drawings and information and everything couldn't work off of a iPad real well. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I had to get used to retranslating how I was changing from reference to drawing. Okay. If that makes any sense. No, it does. But the real advantage was now if I've got a few photographs that I'm using to incorporate in my drawing, I can take, let's say, three photographs and then take each of those three photographs and adjust each of those so that I highlight different colors or values or parts that that are more isolated and more specific and get more information that way Mm -hmm. and make better decisions about the rest of the drawing. So now I have a lot more reference at my disposal that I didn't have before. So that's been helpful. Yeah. So the pandemic was the silver lining is I'm working harder, more intensely, I think more professionally, and the iPad is enhancing that experience. Well, yeah, that in between those walks that you would normally yeah. be at the gym, not really looking at structures or yeah. architecture. I had, to stop, I had to stop that series for a while for about a year. It was so emotionally intense. And technically, the drawings are kind of difficult. They're, most of them are large. They're 32 by 40 inches Okay, for a drawing that's pretty big for the kind yes. of drawing I do. Right. So um, it was always my goal to come back to them. And it took about a year to emotionally prepare myself and to have another year's experience drawing under my belt. So I just finished two, at least two of those. Oh, wow. Okay. And they feel different. Okay. It's not quite so terrifying because right. it's not so immediate. Sure. Um, but I think I still am conveying a similar response. Mm-hmm. And the last one I did, I think, was really, really a pretty powerful drawing. Ooh. I just finished, I think, last week. So. Oh, how exciting. 
Yeah, so that's part of the silver lining from the pandemic. Yeah. Same, just that one series. That's just one example because sure. that I've been working on too. Well, I'm glad to hear that because, yeah, as you mentioned, it was pretty, um, in a lot of ways, difficult to get through. Very but um, I know for me, like, as you saw, my dog is sitting next to me. So that's a wonderful thing. I think there's a lot of silver linings to come out of this very difficult time. So I appreciate oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, we still go to, you know, we go to Temple every Friday, but instead okay. of driving an hour in the car to get there and 45 minutes to come back, sure. we stay at home and do it on Zoom and have dinner at a real hour. Yeah, that's so perfect. Like by eight o'clock, we're home and, yeah. and dealing with dinner and as opposed to being on 480 in a blizzard. Yes. So I love not going in yes. and yet we still <laughs> go every Friday. Sure. Yeah, that's fantastic. Thomas, do you, I know you're obviously going to be in our Reflections on Perceptions exhibition, but do you have any other, you mentioned the series you're working on, but do you have any other upcoming work or exhibitions you would like to mention? Uh, not that I can talk about yet. There's, there's, oh, there's you know, secrets. yeah, there's yeah. Some <laughs> things in the fire that signatures haven't been put on paper yet. Or no. But yeah, I think there will be some other things coming along. I don't have exact dates or no, that's perfect. or anything. But. I always love a good surprise. So that's great. <laughs> <laughs> well, I just want to thank you again so much. Um, it was a pleasure to meet you over Zoom and I hope I get mm -hmm. the opportunity to meet you in real life at yeah, some point. Yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing the exhibit. <laughs> yes, same here. But yes, thanks for handling Zoom and getting on here. And I'll let you go to, I don't know, is it studio time or focus? No, on no, it's clear. Post. Time. 